Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. In today's podcast, we sat down and unpacked the validity of the anger that is coming up right now, the role that narcissism has played in creating these systems of oppression, and we grappled with the questions of why we did not start speaking out on this more passionately before now. We also explore why sustainable change will require that we turn this energy of the movement into a lifestyle, and we finish off with an exploration into the dehumanizing psychology of white supremacy. So take in a deep breath. And press play. So we are living through the largest civil rights movement in the history of our planet today. Are we really? Yeah, we are. I didn't know that. Yeah, this is the largest civil rights movement in the history of our planet. Wow. Because think about it, we weren't globalized in this way. Mm. Our economy was not globalized before with the internet and everything. Now it's not just the United States engaging in it, but all these other countries. All over the world. All over the world. London. My mom sent me images of people in Colombia. Yeah. Interest in systemic, in dismantling systemic oppression has reached global levels. And it's a really important threshold and a momentum that we need to continue writing as we spoke about in our last podcast with Tori. Yeah. I think, I mean, I've been seeing so much beauty on my timeline, out on the streets, in corporate situations. Everyone's been really stepping up to the occasion. And I just really hope that this goes on for ever. Hopefully not forever, because hopefully everything will, the system will crumble before we have to go that far. But as long as we need to go. I mean, yeah, it's th- it's a journey that's going to have to keep going. Honestly, I envision it that it's a movement that's going to have to keep going for the rest of our lives. Because if I just think about it from a healing perspective, think about how hard it is to to heal your individual trauma. Well, we need to break the system down. Right. The system's going to be broken down, but in order to heal, I mean, this is the system's not going to break down overnight. It's not. Things can change about it, but the leftover remnants of the abuse and the oppression is something that's going to take years to clean up. This is why we need Marion Williamson for president. (laughs) She has a whole plan. Does she? For reparations? Oh my gosh, she has a whole detailed plan of how she's going to give back to the black community. She tried. People shot her down in the beginning. Yeah, we do need reparations, actually. Because if you think about this country was built on the free labor of black forced immigrants, enslaved people. 
and this country stole their labor and made tremendous amounts of wealth from it. And continues to make tremendous amounts of wealth. Right. So they got a huge head start in that race. Mm -hmm. So now everybody is waking up to this. There's people that were already woke to the fact that this system was pretty sick and diseased. And now we are waking up to it on a collective level pretty largely. And although, as Valentina said, there is a lot of beauty and a lot of people coming together, because at the end of the day, it's beautiful to see people awaken. In order for that awakening to happen, we have to actually see the pain and we have to feel the pain. As I, as we put up in our uh, Instagram today, that's the part of any healing process. It's whenever you start going to therapy, a lot of people are intimidated by the initial, by the beginning of it, because before you can heal anything, you have to start bringing up all the old dirt that you didn't want to look at and you have to walk through the muck and you have to revisit some traumatic experiences and you have to allow yourself, you have to have enough courage to allow yourself to feel it without turning away or running away so that then when it's all up and that that sand is kicked up, then you can harness it and you can heal it. But it has to be kicked up first and that's what's happening and you have to be open to other people giving you feedback that is super uncomfortable. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and, you know, obviously I was saying my piece that we all know where I stand and this person was just, could not just listen. They had to defend, defend, defend on like why they were a good person why oh, it's beyond just black lives matter it's a world thing and like yes it is a world thing but at the same time the world has not experienced what the black community has experienced since the beginning of time and i was just being as calm and gentle as possible speaking to this person because the reality is and i think i said this in one of our last podcasts but the people who are the most ignorant to it, those are the people that we want to like just go crazy on. But those are also the people that have, like because they're still ignorant, the system is still going how it's going. So those are the people that we need to kind of like infiltrate their mind and <laughs> help them change perspectives. But I was trying to... We have to coax them into it. This person was just... I mean, I can't even repeat what they were saying, but I... Was this... That's crazy. I was just like, can you just be quiet for like a minute? I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I am I am show I'm opening your eyes to the system and in the world that we live in. But so many people want to get so not so many non-black people want to get so defensive on just listen. The thing is people think that and this is the whole argument with good cop, bad cop. You can be a quote unquote good person and still be racist. So when 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 we try to hint at someone that they're having racist actions or behaviors, they are like, no, no, no. But I, I do this and I do this and I'm a good person. Okay, you're a good person. Cool. That's not what this is about. That's where the conversation on implicit bias comes in which just means that we have all been socialized in subtle ways that we don't even realize where we 
judge other people according to their race before we're even consciously aware that we're doing it. Yeah. And at the same time, as like we keep saying in every podcast, we live in a racist system. So maybe just maybe you have to open your eyes to the fact that you don't know what you don't know. You've been acting in a certain way because this is the system that you have grown up with and it hasn't been thrown in your face because you've had the privilege of being able to have an easier life. And now it's time to really open your eyes and see what the system is really about. Right. Well, if the system has been working for you, why would you question it? And back to the good cop, bad cop argument. You may be a good cop, but as long as the overall police force is rooted in systematic oppression and you're partaking in it, you're complicit in that systematic oppression. Even if you have personal good feelings, we all have to, especially during this time, question what companies and organizations we affiliate ourselves with because even if if they contradict our actual values but we're still affiliated and working with them mm, we're promoting it and we're perpetuating it there is actually this app called black nation i just downloaded it and it has oh my god it has everything to support black businesses authors catering services cleaning services consulting services fitness like they have everything and that is something that we're really strong about in how we're going to dismantle this system is we're going to put money back money and power black and back into our black community we have to because that's the only way that we're going to be able to level the playing field somewhat just because the white race uh and even immigrants that chose to come here because of their own desire to be here they are already ahead on that race. So we have to actually give back to the community and try to level that playing field out a little bit. Back to the conversation that you mentioned that you were having with that individual that was really defensive. Robin D'Angelo calls it white fragility. She wrote a book titled White Fragility where it's, it's about why white people are so uncomfortable talking about race or even looking at the possibility that there is privilege. I want to propose narcissistic fragility for our whole collective. It, it's, it's huge with the white fragility situation. And at the same time, it's something that is really, it, it goes beyond even the current race relations. I, I believe that narcissism is something that is just rampant in our world right now. And by narcissism, I mean the situation in which we can't sit with other people's pain because it makes us uncomfortable. We can't handle other people's critiques because we immediately take it as an attack on our whole character. So we have to move away and we have to avoid until we're comfortable again. And that's extremely narcissistic because you're basically saying that your pain is I'm not comfortable with your pain, so I'm going to silence you or move away from you long enough that you become silenced rather than allowing you to express your pain just because your pain makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And this is huge, and this is rampant with the systematic, with the systemic oppression that we have witnessed. And I also see it being very rampant in male-female dynamics. Uh, we have talked about you know, Shaman Durek talks about us being in the age of narcissism as well. And I mean, look at our president. My God. Yeah, we we vote. We put that into office. Yeah, exactly. And the truth is that as we look at the white situation and, and 
the racial, um, how that, that, that narcissism has created the circumstances where a whole race of people can be systematically oppressed. We also need to look at the ways in which that shows up in our male population, to be completely honest. And I'm not saying that it's only males that experiences experience this, but we need to look at the way in which we are socialized because there are so many layers of issues that are going on right now. And one of them that is really important for dismantling as well is the fact that our men have by and large been taught from an early age that they can't have emotions. And so then, and this is why, this is exactly what leads to domestic abuse. So when other people, when women specifically, or other people come at them with their emotions, they can't handle that and it makes them uncomfortable. And the woman has to be silenced or whoever. I'm not saying it's only men that do this, but that is the generalization just because if we look at socialization of men in our collective is very much like that. It very much mirrors the white fragility. And we have to address all sides of this narcissistic pandemic if we are really going to heal this. I saw a pot, I saw a post on Instagram that said, um, was it racism is narcissism? Sexism is narcissism. What else? Oh, yeah. Classism is narcissism. Any of those things. If other people's pain or other people's vocalization of their oppression or feelings of discomfort makes you uncomfortable in such a way that you want to silence them and in such a way that you want to shut them up, you are being narcissistic because you are basically saying that my comfort is more important than your pain. So I'm going to I'm going to take part in suppressing you. And the problem is that when we do that, we are suppressing human pain back into different individual humans and we are perpetuating mental health conditions because especially when something bothers us with the emotion of anger which is coming up really strongly in the collective right now when witnessing the abuse of our black brothers and sisters to experience anger in those moments is actually psychologically healthy you should be angry when you witness the abuse of another human being you should be angry when you see a man beating up a woman. You should be angry when you witness cops abusing their power in this way. And if you and if and for so long, actually, the black community has been told that they are too angry or too aggressive to try to silence them. And it's exactly because of this reason, because we live in a narcissistic society. So it was way too uncomfortable for us to look at that pain and for us to sit with it long enough to ask, why are you angry? How can we heal it? And people need to be able to express this anger because it is actually very unhealthy and will cause disease for us to keep these kinds of emotions inside. Festering anger in our body is just going to throw our whole system off balance. So if somebody is expressing anger in your life because of the way that they are being treated and you are trying to silence them because it makes you kind of uncomfortable to hear about their pain, then you are being narcissistic. And this is something that we all have to wake up to as men, as women, as white people, as non-black people. So as we move forward to heal this white fragility, I also invite us to look into narcissistic fragility, which is something that on one level or another, I would say that we are probably all guilty of. And until we're willing to sit with our own discomfort of other people's pain long enough to help them heal it, we are partaking in the oppression of other human beings. And that's just the reality of it. 
The thing is, when a lot of people hear feedback from someone else on why they may be causing someone else pain, they take that as a direct assault to their character. And they don't take it as this person is is being vulnerable with me and they're opening themselves up and letting me know something that I can fix to create a more peaceful environment for everyone. They immediately get into their own little box and they take it and they take it in as shame. So then they have to shame back and be little back so they don't feel that pain. Or silence. It's in and it happens from again not wanting to feel the pain, not wanting to feel the discomfort. We have to make it trendy to feel discomfort, to feel pain, to feel whatever it is that we need to feel because the point is not for all of us to come out on top. The point isn't for us to be right and for to have our our vision of ourselves intact. The point is to heal together and to create a community and to hear each other because none of us are going to be okay until all of us are okay. 100%. And the thing is that to be willing to sit with that discomfort, it takes endurance because as human beings, we are wired to move towards pleasure and away from pain. But we also have something called higher consciousness And we have something called the prefrontal cortex that we evolved, which allows us to make rational decisions and process through complex situations. So we actually have the ability to bypass that tendency to move, to always just blindly move away from pain and towards pleasure. But that is a choice that we have to make. And it's hard. It's hard. That's why we haven't done it. That's why a lot of people avoid going to therapy because they'd rather continue to numb themselves and continue to find ways to outrun the pain rather than look into it. What we're not realizing though is that until we look into it and we're willing to walk through it, we're going to be held captive by it because every decision that we are making in our lives is rooted in avoiding that pain, is rooted in running from what we fear rather than moving towards what we love. And that is the kind of society that we have been cultivating. So as we wrote in that post this morning, you know, we say that... If we are going to heal, we have to do it together. And for so long in the wellness community, there's just been a very narcissistic (laughs) approach to healing. Ultimately, I can't say that I haven't been guilty of it. I was aware of the systemic oppression issues that are going on in this country since undergrad. Unfortunately, that's when I first became aware of it because of my privilege. I had to actually actively seek out the education and I had to learn about it from education rather than from direct experience. Later on in my life, I had a couple of ins- I had a few instances that allowed me more insight into the direct experience of it. But at first I had to seek it out and I learned a lot and I got angry and I wrote some research papers and I created an organization when I was in grad school. But I wasn't bringing this conversation to the table as aggressively as I am doing now. There was parts of me that were scared to do so, to be honest, because I, I didn't feel like people would really listen. And that's why this moment is so important is because people are finally listening. And so any of us that feel passionate about this topic, this is the time to speak. People are listening and that is a blessing. And I wish that I had more aggressively talked about this before, but I was scared. You know, I did aggressively talk about this before, but I just got shunned. Yeah. I mean, I talked about it within what I could, but I mean, look at how aggressively we're talking about it now on the podcast. Right. This is something we've been aware of. Why hasn't it been the topic of every podcast? Right. It just, and even I was thinking about like 
part of me is like, ooh, should I be cautious with how I express my political, I guess this is a political view, with, with how I express my political views out in public because as Tori was saying in our, lab po- in our last podcast, uh, therapists are greatly encouraged to create a neutral space for clients to come into. But then again, we are also encouraged to be social advocates. That's actually part of our education. And we are also encouraged to be mandated reporters, which means that if you're witnessing abuse, you have to report that. And you have to report it to the police, which right now is questionable because I'm not really trusting them. But you have to report it. So then why? Why in the world would I feel hesitant about speaking? Like Tori was saying, like, what? Why would we have to try to look at the other side? It is our responsibility as healers to call out what we are seeing. If I'm seeing somebody getting abused, if I'm seeing a whole population of people getting abused, I'm just going to stand by silently because it's my job to be neutral. That makes absolutely no sense. If I'm going to report the abuse of a child, I'm going to report the abuse of an entire segment of our population. Why, why were we so complicit before? Because the world wasn't listening. It it wasn't listening. I think before it it almost felt like paddling upstream. And I feel like part of it, it's just, it's gone on since the beginning of time. So a lot of people were desensitized to... You start numbing yourself. You you start numbing yourself. And I know any time that I ever talked about it, I would immediately, to the people I was talking to, I then would immediately be seen as an other. So then they wouldn't listen to me with the authority that they would have before I started speaking against something that they believed in. Yeah, or I'd be the only person in a group of friends that was willing to talk about it, so everybody else would just want to silence the conversation. And uh, yeah, that's another thing is, you know, a lot of people in the past were not willing to engage in this kind of conversation, so it very much would be us talking about it, and then it would be crickets on the other end trying to force ourselves to be heard but now but we have reached a collective threshold and there is a momentum so now it's time to ride this wave because before it really felt like paddling upstream so it's like you would kind of get something moving but I always felt this overwhelming I think I guess what you would call it is hopelessness that's like you know, this really sucks. And somewhere in the back of my mind and my subconscious, I'm aware that there is a lot of abuse going on. But I felt powerless before it because these systems seem so large. It's just crazy. So now I think about it. I'm like, there's no way we could each individually heal if somewhere in our subconscious mind and even in our collective energy field, there is this kind of abuse taking place. And then we're over here again just trying to do yoga and focus on my own trauma and all that like that's like chipping away with a little hammer at a huge stone this COVID-19 was a blessing to this universe because had we not been sitting been forced to sit at home and you know we're not before we would be going to our yoga classes like going to visit friends going to restaurants and bars and this and that and now we're forced to sit at home and the only thing we have is news in media, social media. So now it's really, it's like the, the, the virus, the racist virus and the hate virus and is it's infiltrating everyone. Everyone finally really woke up. Yeah. It's like the whole world is being forced to go to therapy at the same time because we can't run from it. And I was talking to Valentina about this before we started recording the podcast, but 
I felt moments in this past week where there's a lot of beautiful stuff happening. But in order for us to get so deeply disturbed enough for that beautiful stuff to be happening, there's also been mass sharing of really traumatic images in our feeds that are really important in order to keep us enraged enough to continue this movement. And they're also really painful to sit with. And there's nowhere to run. <laughs> you know, you can't look away now. If you look away now, I mean, I know if I looked away now, it's going to haunt me. But I definitely felt moments where I was just like, oh, my God, like, I just I want to turn all of this off. Like, this is a lot. It's a lot of stuff coming up. Last night I was I Googled a 10 day silent retreat in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to go to one of these dark retreats where you just spend 10 days in a dark room. And then I had to like kind of slap myself and be like, Paula, <laughs> stop. And Sahara Rose actually brought up a good point. She was like, there's a time for going internal and there's a time for going external. And she goes, internal was COVID-19, baby. You heard that? Yeah, she's yeah. like, we're in revolt now. Yeah, internal is COVID-19. This is a cult. This is a whole different energy. So use all those experiences of learning to sit with things that you learn through meditation and all that and channel it. This is not the time to run away to the mountains as appealing as it might sound sometimes but that's also a huge privilege to even think like oh it's a choice for me to engage when it when there's people that have no choice they wake up to this so they can't just walk out of this no they, they can't, can't just tap out this is their daily life no they can't walk out of their skin color a skin color that has honestly been dehumanized and brutalized there's actually an amazing video that jane elliott did on this I'm going to post it in our show notes. It's four minutes. You guys need to watch it. It's the blue she eye, brown is, eye experiment. It's not the blue. It's it's an extension of that. She's sitting in a classroom with a bunch of white people. There's a few black people in there. And she just watch it. You have to watch it. I don't want to jack it up. Like she is a beast. I love her. Yeah, she's a legend. She's been at that. She made it into a lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, if enough of us make this into a lifestyle, things have to change. Why did we? I keep, okay, I'm sitting here and really trying to think because I, we were just talking about, okay, we have been talking about this in, in, our, in our own circles and to each other, but not at the level that we're doing it now. And I want, there is more than yes, maybe in the past we felt hopeless, but for me, I can personally say I am way more aware now than I was before because there were even instances in the past that KJ had to enlighten me on. And I was like, he would have to point out my privilege to me. I didn't see it all the way. But now it's almost like I can't not see everything. The veil has been opened. Yeah. And I don't know why. I, I honestly think it is a, like a, a, a spiritual thing. Like the universe just, just said, all right, and now we're about to enter the era where your eyes are open for all of us. 2020. 2020 vision. Uh, I already knew it. I already knew it. I, I could have done more, and I didn't. I knew it, but I didn't see the emergency of it. I did. And I just felt hopeless about it. And I'm sure it depressed me in some ways. <clears throat> I'm sure it did. There were so many times that I just felt like I was walking around like I'd live in a sick system. Like, I need to get out of here. But go where? <laughs> go where? Because our whole planet needs healing. I felt that. I felt that. 
I knew it. When we went to that prison of the jail, we... To the prison of the jail? Oh, to the tour of the jail. Sorry. The tour of the prison (laughs) jail in Atlanta. And this is kind of a trigger warning. But who cares anymore? (laughs) We all need to be triggered. (laughs) Enough. Like, we cannot keep protecting ourselves away from pain. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We cannot be protecting ourselves because black people have had no choice. No choice. They've been been had to get... I can't talk. They've been traumatized <laughs> and triggered for, since day one. That's enough. Yeah. We're walking by and, and, and we walked by one of the rooms that they put people in when they don't quote unquote behave well. And there's a guy in there screaming, like asking for um, like for some like humanity. Mm-hmm. And I just like he's like. So let me tell you, I, he heard them. I think he heard them telling us, like, you know, trying to paint it all in the best light possible. And he was screaming. He's like, they're lying to you. He's like, they're treating us like shit. They're lying to you. He's like, there's feces on the walls in here. This is not how you treat a human being. They literally had him locked up in a room with shit spread all smeared on the walls. Like, it's horrible. When I hear these things, I usually feel think that I I can be a pretty centered like peaceful person but this situation I I'm not I'm not I can't be I don't know how to be I don't know how to do like the the love and light thing in here yeah I try I've I've been trying to and that's an internal (laughs) that's an internal negotiation that I've been having with myself because for so long the healing process was love and light love and light love and light and then I'm like, and then I heard Kyle C's, who I've mentioned on here before, who I have a ton of respect for in regards to his approach to like insights coming from meditation. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what Kyle C's has to say about this. And he was talking about how he felt like his only, uh, his main contribution right now would be to like just keep meditating. And he said, you know, people that have been in, in victim, like in victim energy are now rising to anger energy. But if you've already been in anger energy, then you can you can rise higher than that um, acceptance energy. And and so then that kind of like justifies, that justifies a little bit of spiritual bypass in my opinion, because it's kind of saying like, well, I don't have to like go to feel the anger. I can just stay up here, love and light, love and light, love and light. But the truth is that our black communities have been in victim mode they've been victimized for hundreds of years so obviously the next step out of that from pain energetically they haven't been in victim mode yeah let me just no they've been victimized they've been victimized yeah they've been victimized for hundreds of years and the next step energetically out of that is anger right and for us to say like well i don't have to feel that i can just stay in this love and light thing is also a privilege so now i'm thinking that it's actually radical empathy to practice stepping into the mindset of what they have suffered and that victimization which would put us at the same level of what many in the black community are experiencing so then the next step up from that would be anger does that make sense kind of i'm gonna have to <laughs> listen to that again <laughs> so i mean i was thinking about this on my run today like let the pain take you to anger we're talking about like energetic levels right Pain is a lower energy frequency. Pain and depression is a lower energy frequency than anger. Anger is more activated energy. So it's not a bad thing to feel anger. 
because then you're no longer you're not at least you're not in the pain and the depression which is just it, it you're more susceptible to like disease and stuff like that when you're in that lower energy frequency so you let the pain lead you to anger you let the anger lead you to courage so you're rising up that energetic scale and you let the courage mobilize you to action so anger is a necessary piece of this puzzle yeah. and we can't skip it so if you weren't if you belong to a privileged population that was not victimized, I think on some level it's healthy to allow yourself to feel the anger and come a little bit down that energetic spectrum so that you can take part in this movement from a place of radical empathy, which means leveling yourself out with your black brothers and sisters that have been experiencing the oppression and the abuse in this country. All that to say, you should be angry. (laughs) I want you to talk a bit about um actually no going back to that yes you should be angry and yes that's literally the only thing that I've been operating out of from I was fighting it fighting the anger (laughs) because if you guys have heard to our our podcast before anger is something that I had to largely overcome in my life because I over I I operated from a place of anger for a large portion of my life as a result of seeing things and experiencing it situations that just that's how I learned to survive was to be angry but I reached a point in my life where it wasn't helping anymore if it ever did and I had to transcend it through a lot of meditation hundreds and hundreds of hours of meditation honestly to burn it out of me so then for this situation to come in and I'm like oh my god the anger is back right there's a part of me that felt like is it healthy for me to go back into that this is what's pissing me off about the spiritual community is that I am seeing so much of, cause how I typically would handle situations that bring me distress is a very, this is spiritual. Like it's, you know, uh, everything happens for a reason, whatever the narrative is. And f- er, for this, I'm like, I don't give a flying flip what the deeper meaning of it is like, do you not see the level of abuse that is happening right in front of our eyes? Step the fuck down from your spirit and get in back into your body. We yeah. have a war to get into. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's true. We are physical beings. Speaking about this from a spiritual level, you know, you may have a spirit and we are all connected, but it, you know, I think that's the same as saying like, just think positive thoughts, but then you can eat all the shit you want right your body still matters so if your body is living in a physical system of oppression and you're just trying to think positive thoughts about it you're out of balance because you're still human my friend can you talk a bit about what you were going to say earlier that you've been witnessing in the spiritual community which part i'm you were saying like spiritual bypass and that's what i was saying like that's what i felt like kyle sees was doing a little bit and i love his work but i did feel that because I trust me, I, since I had to overcome anger and I did that through meditation, I have felt the urge to be like, I'm just going to meditate 10 hours a day right now. And that's why it was important for me to listen to Sahara Rose last night where she said, like, no, there was a time for that. This isn't the time for it right now. I mean, make sure you're keeping your center. But the thing that meditation taught us was to sit with the uncomfortable feelings. That's what meditation does. You know, I could be feeling all kinds of things and then I have to sit there literally still not move a muscle for 50 minutes. So I had to feel all those emotions burning through me. And that taught us to sit with the discomfort. Meditation is supposed to help us 
live more effectively in life. And so we, what we need to do right now is take that training into the front lines of action. And the action is going to be different for everybody. But I think speaking to the spiritual community, it's really important to not become avoidant of taking action right now and just sitting in the meditation. That's my perspective of it. The meditation is important, but we can't hide behind it. Yeah. And take, I mean, yes, take care, take care of yourselves, go out and protest, go back and rest. And the thing is, is that we have to remember, we've been seeing a lot of immediate action because we've also been seeing a lot of immediate violence right in front of our faces. But there is, this has gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's going to sadly continue to happen for a while. And it's going to happen because there's been people in power and systems in place that care more about owning property and being on top than on truly protecting one another. So our main focus right now is this has to be a true lifestyle. We have to keep going forward. I think keeping holding on to the anger for a few couple of a billion years (laughs) is good right now. The anger is fine. And and this is something it's taken me a while to like accept. I guess in these past two weeks is just, again, a negotiation I've had with myself because I'm like, oh, (laughs) anger has been a destructive force in my life at times. So this is just where we have to have enough awareness from that meditation training or whatever practice you engage in for your self-care. Allow the anger to be there. It makes sense for the anger to be there. And then we channel it and we alchemize it into action. But... We have to make sure that we're not trying to run from it because it's uncomfortable. You know, if you're used to living in a space of anger, it's actually uncomfortable to leave it. But if you've been able to step out of that or if you don't usually exist in that space, you almost want you you want it to leave as soon as possible. So it's it's part of that um, spiritual or emotional endurance right now is to allow it to exist long enough to disturb you into action. But back what you to what you were saying about this being something that's been here for hundreds of years and it just be, be feeling really really urgent all of a sudden I saw a post by the Nat ministry which we love always shout out to the Nat ministry and she said They're on Instagram go yeah. follow them and they said y'all are exhausting right now with this manic energy to solve centuries of racial terror in one week for those who have been intentionally sleepwalking most of your life welcome to the other side you can't nap your way through this you will have to actually do the deep slow and intentional work to change you'll have to start the process of changing mm-hmm. yeah it's super powerful we can't nap our in the nap ministry is always telling us to nap <laughs> our way yeah out of things or, or napping as a form of resistance in a capitalist system that essentially um makes you move like a robot 24 7 yeah it just exhausts its people but we can't turn away from this one as much as we want to. And I have a question for any of our listeners. Is I Have you all done something about what... Hello, my microphone fell. Are you all doing something? Have you all said something, done something about what's been happening? I, I mean, I really want to know. I was having another conversation with someone, asking them about what they felt about, you know, what's been happening. And I mean, they didn't, they haven't been doing anything. Um, and they're deeply privileged. And I just, I want to know what, 
like have you all been doing something is there anyone out there that's staying quiet and it's not to judge you i just really want to know what is holding <laughs> so she can judge you <laughs> she's trying to I lure you in you. she's trying to lure you in so she can judge you that ass i will judge you See, tell me the truth <laughs> tell me the truth what do you mean i used to do that to you and my brother when we were little what? did you take that from me did you eat my candy i I promise you I won't be mad. Just tell me. And you would tell me, I'd be like, are you kidding me? Yeah. No, but for real, for real. Okay, so then let me start that whole thing over again. To our listeners (laughs) who are not saying anything, why aren't you saying anything? For real. And it's not like you need to be out here on social media. You know, have you done anything? Have you had conversations about this? Have you journaled about it? Journaled. Have you tried to educate yourself on this? Because for some people, I wonder if like the first step is going to have to be a more internal one of like exploration and reading and educating themselves before before they speak, which is part of the process too. That's part of the healing process. We're all going to we're all at different levels. I know we want everybody to move really fast through this, but that's just the reality of it. For some people, it's going to be it's going to have to be an internal dismantling of their um, internalized racism or. That's the thing, man. So many people don't understand that just because they are not racist, like they think that they're good. They think they're good. No, like I'm really nice and I'm, you know, I'm not racist, but people have to take. I would I would encourage those people to take a look at that's where their education has to come from. Start asking yourself, like, when is the last time that you had to think about race? When is the first time that you had your first black professor? You know, you don't know when mine was college. My first black professor was college. I had a couple black teachers, but they weren't. I mean, professors are college people. You didn't have black teachers. No, the majority of teachers are white. The majority of everything, the authors, look at the authors that you're reading. What race are they? Look at the movies that you're watching. What race are the directors and the writers? The narratives that are sculpting our culture and our community and our society. What are the race of those people creating all of that? Yeah. And here's the thing. We live in a white world. Yeah. And that's not the norm. Don't get it twisted. Just because this is what you're used to, that is not the norm. Can can you speak to that more? What? That like it's not the norm? Yeah, I think a lot of people believe that there's white. And then and this is the phrase like I not bashing the phrase people of color, but a little bit bashing the phrase people of color. It's something that's been bothering me is if you mean to say black, why don't you say black? What about what about everyone else that is different colors and not black? Well, then call them out whatever race they are. But if you do mean minorities and, and, and then yes, but I've been seeing a lot of posts about what's happening to or the or the people of color right now. It's like no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. Yes, it's happening to minorities, but it's not happening to the, the degree that it's happening to Black people. No way. And at the same yeah. time, that when you say people of color, you're just saying there's white and then there's everything else. So there's this ideology that white is the standard race. White is not the standard race. White people have colonized literally everything and they have put themselves in a position where they make everyone believe that they're the standard race and they have abused and belittled and bullied all other races into submission and they have oppressed them and silenced them but they that's that's only because we have a we have bullies in power we have bullies that are at the top that have kicked everyone out that doesn't mean that white is the standard race and this is where we ask our white listeners to sit with some discomfort because I know that as she's saying of all that there might be parts of your psyche that are kicking up and saying like I didn't do that I didn't do that I didn't do that 
Um, and yeah, you may not have directly done it. We may not have directly done it because we have some colonial ancestry, very much so. We definitely have colonial ancestry. Our ancestors colonized, they came from Spain and colonized Colombia. Um, and we didn't do it, but we still have to sit here and hold the space for the ancestors of the people that our ancestors oppressed. That's just their responsibility if we are interested in healing as a collective, which we should be. Because the truth is that if we don't heal as a collective, we're not going to heal individually. We can do a ton of individual trauma work. But if, listen, we are all connected. We're all connected. And back to just adding a little bit to what I was saying, when you're taking, I think it would be healthy to take some personal inventory for real, for real. Look at all the things you're watching, you're reading. Look at all of, you know, the grocery stores that you shop at, the clothing stores that you shop at. Look at all of the races of the people that are disseminating all of that knowledge and all that education and and are giving you the food you eat. And, and it's not, do not believe it is because black people can't get there. That's, you have to come very much from the place of white people have kicked everyone else out of the way and made their way to the top. I mean, that's what the system is founded off of, creating barriers for everyone who's not white I and mean, we just have to go back to the roots of it and the roots of it is that america america is built on the backs of free labor free labor stolen from black enslaved people forcibly that were forced to uh come over here from africa and the only way that the people that perpetrated such atrocities was by dehumanizing the black people they had to dehumanize them in order to justify treating them in subhuman ways and there's a book actually that i'm called that i'm reading right now it's called less than human and it i highly recommend it but it basically just talks about how in order to justify our mistreatment of other people we have to somehow make them less than human in our mind because it's not our instinct is not to destroy other humans and especially there was very conservative religious roots that were also a big part of the founding of this country and if the founders had admitted to themselves that they were killing and mistreating other human beings that would have been considered a sin so they had to convince themselves that the black slaves were less than human and that's just not that's not a psyche, a mentality that goes away just because slavery got abolished when they had to teach that to their children and their children's children in order to keep the economic privilege of slavery going of that institution going. That's something that gets indoctrinated and to accept that that's what happened and to accept that you or us or any of us have been taking part in that narrative in order to keep our economic privilege present is extremely painful. And that's where white supremacy is so pervasive. Because if they were to admit that black people really were human, that would deem them criminals for what they have done. And if they are rooted in conservative Christianity, I mean, that would mean you're going to hell. So it's in their best interest to make sure that black people maintain a subhuman status so that they don't experience that cognitive dissonance, which is when your values and your behaviors act in opposition to each other. And so we have to make sure that we also do not dehumanize anybody. And I know it's really tempting. Well, I'm just like smiling. <laughs> no, I mean, 
I'm not trying to dehumanize people over here. I'm just pissed. I get it. We should be pissed. Again, you should be pissed. But And I'm just for real wondering how no one has... I mean, honestly, being pissed is also... It doesn't mean you're dehumanizing them. It's saying like, hey, I'm holding you to the same standard that I hold every other human being. Right. You're not an animal. You're a human thinking being. So snap out of it. Yeah. So... It's just something we have to watch out for because it's also going to be really tempting to dehumanize people that aren't on your on our side. I think a lot of people are going to experience this right now and say like, oh, they're just, you know, filthy pieces of whatever. They're animals. The moment that we start doing that, we're doing the same thing that they did in order to justify owning slaves and treating people in subhuman ways. So we just cannot... We cannot allow them to recruit us over to that mentality. We can be angry with them. I think anger can sometimes be a form of respect because it's saying like, hey, I'm angry with you because I believe that you can do better. That's what I feel. I feel like how are we allowing all of this right in front of our faces to go on? And that's what fuels the rage because we are allowing it right in front of our faces. Like that video that I posted yesterday of those cops slashing everyone's tires and then blaming it on the protesters that's crazy and that's it's not i'm not over here saying like those cops are like um rats or whatever however you're dehumanized i'm just like those motherfuckers are brainwashed to the point of just not using their god-given or life-given brains they've been brainwashed by the virus of dehumanizing other people yeah. I mean, I don't know what I would do if I saw that. <laughs> I'm serious. This has brought a whole new levels of rage in me. That's whole, good. To, to the point well, you where know, I'm like scared for someone to do something in front of me. Like I literally, you might just catch me in jail. For real. I hope not. Not really. I don't mean because that. Because I've seen the way that they're treating people that are being arrested for protesting. And it's just, it's, I've read some really disgusting stuff. I just feel the anger like physically. Yeah, I like, feel, I it, feel it in like my elbows, like all my <laughs> joints. And I just want to like release the anger. One thing that needs to go back to kickboxing. I sound so, um, I don't know how I sound right now, but whatever. It's just the truth. You have to release it somehow. I mean, do something with it. That's why I'm, I'm glad that we have this podcast. I feel it in my heart. I feel like there's like a fire, like burning in my heart. The thing is, I know I can. I know how to be angry. So I think I'm scared of like really allowing that to unleash. Because well, you see me, I'm like a peaceful little flower. But then you, I get angry and I just black out. Our fire signs come out. I black out. If you are the able, Leo and the Aries, I'm pretty chill. But if you're able to get me to a point where I black out, let me tell you, like, gone. Yeah, it's really it's I don't black out anymore because I had to because I had issue anger issues when I was growing up. I had to like bring so much consciousness into that emotional state. It's not really possible for me to black out anymore. <laughs> no, I think I'm I mean, I think you could if someone got you to the point if you saw some serious bullying. We're getting on such oh, a tangent yeah. right now. But if you saw some serious bullying, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, I'm not actually, just going to black out for someone saying something to no. me. But if I see something that is just inhumane in front of me, you better believe. Yeah, I will, I will be carving <laughs> think, my initials think, in my jail cell I the think, next day. I think so many people are This is crazy. Just waiting for somebody to cross them in the wrong way right now, which is we need to just make sure that we're channeling that into 
productive action towards dismantling the systems of oppression and that we are making sure that we're like really only we have to be responsible with our anger right now um which is it you know it's not necessarily easy to do but i would say it's kind of a requirement if we actually want to see change and we don't want to get lost in the anger yeah and something i was going to say was that when you're talking about people saying like, oh, I'm not racist, I would never do that. And it's kind of sad that we have to give, that I feel like I have to give this metaphor because just seeing our black brothers and sisters abused should be enough. But I think maybe it can help create another level of empathy for people if we, if, if you say, for example, okay, so if you see somebody abusing a bunch of children, you know, a bunch of babies, a bunch of children you see them abusing them hitting them doing whatever they feel like doing with them and you're seeing it and you don't do anything about it because you say well i'm not an abuser well i protect kids when they're in my hands i'm nice to them yeah but you just stand there and watch it and you don't do anything about it you're responsible you've said yes to racism well that's not racism i'm trying to use another <laughs> metaphor to, you've to said to yes people. to child abuse you've said yes to child abuse essentially i'm just jumping to what we're trying to tell them <laughs> <laughs> you, you have said yes to racism so and you know at the end of the day I know that I imagine that this community and I've seen it this pretty mental community is full of people really that just want like collective healing and collective love so I'm sure that a lot of you listening are just like none of this is new for you um but hopefully it, if that's the case then this can serve as an opportunity for us all to continue to empower each other in this movement so that we can keep the momentum going and then maybe pass it on and, and play it in the background when you're hanging <laughs> out with somebody that <laughs> needs some convincing. Just like put it on a tape and then say it's like a lullaby and then <laughs> let them fall asleep to it and hear us over and over again. <laughs> yeah, but that's I think I think we've reached our time for today. Okay. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for listening to us. We yeah. love you. We love you. Catch us every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. We're going to continue to arm ourselves. We're going to continue to gear up because this is a lifestyle and we won't stop. Yep. And we can't talk about mental health while part of our population is being abused. I saw this so. meme the other day that I just like feel really strongly about, but it was a kid holding up a sign saying... You fucked with the wrong generation. That's pretty accurate. And okay. Until next time, you guys. We love you. Be kind to yourselves. Bye. Peace out.